You are listening to The Heart of Christ, a year-long podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. Throughout 2022, we will spend time reflecting on Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, so we can come to know not only what Jesus has done, but who he is. What is his deepest heart for his people, people who are weary, stumbling, sinners, and sufferers? So we invite you to grab your Bibles, prepare your hearts, and come along with us as we find rest in the gentle and lowly heart of Christ. Welcome to episode 10 of The Heart of Christ. My name is Keith Winder, one of the pastors at Wheatland. Today I'm joined by Dr. Ned Bustard. Ned is a longtime member of Wheatland, one of our elders. He's not a doctor, and he's been attending here for many, many years, Ned. All the years. All all the years. I know, that's true. All all of them, all the years. The first day? Or Before weren't you the like first day. A few, oh, okay. I thought yeah. you came in like a few months ago. No, late. no, oh, no. Some day. people think that, but I have been uh, here since before we began. Oh, so you, uh, before the dawn, when the you yeah, know when when God was hovering over the waters, <laughs> yeah, the dawn of, of Wheatland. Of, of Wheatland that's yeah, that's yeah. where I was there. Yeah, when Wheatland was just a thought. <laughs> exactly. Ned was there. I was. <laughs> and so we're going to be reflecting maybe on chapter ten of Gentle Lowly, which talks about the beauty of the heart of Christ. And I know that Ned is shaking over there when I say the word beauty, and we'll get to that. Before we get going, Ned, tell us a bit about yourself for people who have not made it up to the fourth row in the front of the third, third row third, third row in the yeah. 1115 service. Um, tell us a bit about yourself. Or maybe that's all. Yeah, you want that, to that's all that, people really need to know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you don't know who I am, I'm that strange middle-aged man who sits on the third row on the right uh, up front. Um, during the second service. I have been for over 20 years. Um, that's really all you need. No, actually, no, that, that's, that's where I sit. It was really nice uh, a couple weeks ago. Someone was sitting in my seat and they saw me uh, come and they're, and they're like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And they, they, and moved, they, moved. they moved back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt that was really kind of uh, a win. Yeah. That, a win for me. Uh, win. I mean, I was willing to sit in I was I was going to be Jesus I was going to sacrifice yeah. you were going to ask them to slide over no no I was I was going to do it I oh, was going to be okay. I was going to you know take up my cross is you what are. I was going to do yeah. uh, you've had uh, my wife Leslie here on this podcast mm-hmm. she's the person I like people to meet first because mm-hmm. they like me a lot better it's the person we want oh yeah oh yeah everybody in fact someone was asking me to come down to uh, they wanted me to go to a a uh, conference they're having and they're like you're gonna bring leslie right like we, we really want leslie to come if i don't does that mean I'm like yes oh, uh but as far as like uh um i don't know who am i from a um linkedin or twitter <laughs> I, I actually modified my twitter uh bio today to say i'm a illustrator of every moment holy and saint nicholas the gift giver i'm a curator author creative director at square halo books and graphic designer uh for our conversation today i think that what's relevant is i wrote a book called history of art creation through contemporary i have a book called it was good making art to the glory of god and last year i co-authored a book called naming the animals the invitation to creativity so art and and beauty are things that i'm very interested in Mm -hmm. uh in our little church here i'm the 
usually the token artists. There are a couple other mm -hmm. folks who care about visuals, but I seem to wear that like a, a badge or a hat <laughs> that says, ask me about art. Yeah. I like art. Art isn't that's just some true. guy's that's name. True. Yeah. <laughs> It is a guy. It name. is actually, and but he's a very good guy. If you if you haven't met Art O'Connor, you yeah. need to meet him. There are he, other arts besides knit. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Well, one question that I've asked everybody is: as you're reading this book, Gentle and Lowly, how how have yeah have you has this been your favorite book you've ever read? Uh, has it been the least favorite book? Your least favorite book, or how has it shaped the way you've thought of Jesus? Or, yeah, tell us about your experience of this book. Out of 10 people, how have people responded? Uh, I think most people say that they just love it. They now, just love normally, it. Yeah. Normally people pick some aspect of Jesus that they feel like, oh, I've learned more about Jesus as compassionate or right, something. Right. And they've given an example. But, yeah. Well, I, uh, and uh, like I said, my wife was on episode one or two of this, mm -hmm. and she loves it. Um, I... We have a thing in my household. She underlines books, and I do not. Mm. And but I'm reading her copy of the book, so I'm, I'm getting all the underlines and the oh, circles yeah, and yeah. and praise the Lord and Soli Deo Gloria written in here. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have not enjoyed the book. It's not that I think it's heresy or uh, even wrong. I just uh, there's certain things. And honestly, let's I'm going to lay down on the couch here, and you can analyze me for a while. <laughs> I I think that. Uh, I've struggled with this my whole life. Uh, growing up in the church, I've always been a Christian, you know, me and John the Baptist since the womb. But there's certain aspects of the religious life that I don't sync up with mm -hmm. as with other people. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those mm -hmm. times that the book just doesn't push my buttons. Again, I don't think it's heretical. I think if we put it in a pot and stirred it up I put it on a plate I would eat it I would love it I'd be very thankful it's just um, it doesn't speak to me like other things speak to me yeah I mean makes a ton of sense and I'm, I'm glad you say that because uh, if if let's say 150 people at Wheatland are reading this book because we had 150 copies and they all disappeared right, right. so let's say that 150 people are reading it 149 if they, if they didn't resell those for yeah. $10 or something no, it says on the back not for resale <laughs> so they can't oh that's true good um, I'm sure it's not just one out of those 150 that are reading it and thinking, I could see why people might like it, but I'm like I'm struggling to connect. With, oh no, it's, with, it's only me. I'm true. special. That's true. I'm special. Yeah. Everyone else. You're not yeah. as unique as you think. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. you're probably right. There are yeah. Yeah, probably shared experiences. And there. it's funny how, like, we all do that. I'll read a book and be like, oh, Luke, you've got to read this book. And he reads it. And I can tell he's trying to be nice because right. he's like, yeah, that was, I yeah. liked that one thing that he said that, on that one page. And I'm thinking, really? Like this, this changed my life. Oh, how paradigm not... shifts here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating how, how, that, how that works. That's, it's, it's why there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of books. Yeah. And it's why because, you have different flavor cereals. On those. Yeah. My, my daughter gave me a book the, the other day and she's like, you're going to love this book. And then she stopped herself. She goes, actually, I don't know. I don't know what you like, Dad. And I'm like, I don't either. And I know that I'm difficult. And, and for those who are listening to this podcast, have sympathy on my family. Come Christmas time, everyone else, they know exactly what to buy. Me, they're like, we don't know what to buy him because he's difficult. We'll know difficult. after he opens it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they'll say, ooh, that was the wrong present. So, so that's interesting because actually, 
So this is chapter 10 in the book. Yeah, on and beauty. You would think Ned, the guy who has the yeah, art hat I know. on. I know, but I have, I, have, I have really, really loved the first nine chapters of the book. And then when I started reading this chapter, it's not that I disliked it, but I really struggled at the beginning particularly because I thought, wait, beauty. And I have one concept of beauty. And yeah. it's, that's a beautiful sunset. And I look at something, I physically think it's beautiful, and that's my concept of beauty. And that's the way that we, 99% of the time, use the word beauty culturally oh, in yeah. our world. Oh, yeah. And so I struggled, uh, I struggled with other chapters to understand them until someone else explained it to me. But this one I struggled to connect with in the way that you're even describing with the book because I thought, wait, so what's beauty? And it's not, it's not the beauty that I have in my head. Well, and that's the thing. When I started reading the chapter, I was like, ooh, finally I'm going to really enjoy this one. Because uh-huh. uh, uh, growing up in the church, I really had, to, had a, a struggle with um, my place as someone who cares about beauty and interested in art and growing up in, in, a, in a culture that was anti-art, really, mm-hmm. in, in my church tradition. So I'm, since, since college, I've been voraciously reading everything I can get on uh, art and faith and the relationship between the aesthetic and the spiritual. Um, the book I mentioned, It Was Good Making Art to the Glory of God. I, I wrote that because I wanted to learn more about what, what it means to be someone who loves Jesus and loves beauty and where is that connection. So mm-hmm. I thought, finally, this is what's a chapter for me. And I'd, mm-hmm. I'd, be, I'd be all, all excited yeah. and be underlining things more than my wife would. Yeah, so I'm assuming, now that I've read it, that well, I'm not assuming. I know this. Dane Ortland is not saying that God is beautiful when I look at him. Right. That Jesus is beautiful when I look at him. Yeah, he's got he's got a poster of Jesus hanging up in his, yeah. in his office. And he looked at that he's and thought, so he's beautiful, beautiful and I'm gonna write a chapter about it. Right. So right. he's not talking about that. So so you tell me then if that so then what what is beauty? Don't tell me what Dane Ortland's talking about necessarily. I mean you can if you want. But so if it's like tell me, talk to me about beauty more holistic right right well there's lots of facets sure sure and um uh one of the things that interests me in in the in from a art world perspective is that uh in the last 10 20 years maybe more than that i'm as i'm getting older i'm getting having a hard time adjusting Mm -hmm. to what time you'll say the last 10 to 20 years it could be anything yeah uh that in, in the art world the idea of beauty was taboo that um if you're if you were in art school and the professor said, "Oh, that's really beautiful," you knew you were getting an F because mm-hmm. beauty was just not cool anymore. So you, you, there, there's an aspect of of beauty when we talk about that. But uh, let's jump before that and we think about um, uh, the aesthetic traditions of the West up until that point. And um, there's different aspects of beauty. So. Uh, in my book uh, that I helped write, Naming the Animals, uh, there's a quote that says, Beauty is the manifestation of the good and the true. Okay, well, we can understand that. So we, you know, we think about the transcendentals, good, true, and beautiful. All right, so that, that makes sense. So it's part of this, this trinity of, of um, aspects of, mm-hmm. of reality. And um, the beauty also celebrates order, harmony, Symmetry, proportion, balance, and form. So you think when God creates the, the world then, uh, or if it's this sort of chaos of waters and, and nothingness, whatever's going on, and he creates the world. So not only then does it 
does he make it beautiful physically in the way you think about it? But it's also beautiful because it's now ordered. Oh, yeah. And, and it's established to fulfill the function that God has for it. Well, so and I think that this is an uh, overstatement. Like, I always push up against this. But if you've seen the golden mean, that's that, that spiral thing that the Greeks figured out mm -hmm. long ago. You look at that and you start laying it over top of different elements of nature. And you say, well, that's the Nautilus shell. It fits perfectly. Or you'll see the fo folks will put that on top of a flower. And you're like, oh, my goodness. It, it really worked. There is, there are... Um, I, I refuse to believe that beauty can be reduced to 1.43755 or whatever the, the, the number, the, the Fibonacci mm -hmm. sequence is. But there's, there's a lot to balance. You know, balance mm -hmm. and form. And I mean, what I think is interesting is when things aren't balanced, why, is, why aren't there balanced? And there, there can be beauty in that, in the, um, I mean, it's like a, a jazz number. The, you know, it's yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. rhythms or the, the chords that are a little off that makes you go, ooh, I kind of like that. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, but still, we're, we're working with balance. We're working with form and harmony and those relationships, um, at least from a classical Western perspective of, of beauty. So yeah. we're talking about beauty that way. I think um, uh, there's several artists I like nowadays who talk, Christian artists who talk about broken beauty, that because of we know that the, the, the act of Christ on the cross was beautiful, but it was also horrific. So we have to mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. reconcile those things. So... Um, those are all aspects of that, but I think you were going to lead up to something yeah, well, when you were asking also, about that. Yeah, well, I think also, like, well, let's, let me bounce off of that idea there. Um, Jesus on the cross is, is beautiful. And like, because, because throughout, throughout the scriptures, you see, particularly in Psalms, I'm talking about the beauty of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And Psalm 27 is one thing I asked that I would seek, and it's, and it's to, to, to be, to experience the beauty of the Lord. And so if I think of the cross as beautiful, is it beautiful then because that is the fullest expression of God's character or his love and his grace and goodness? Is that then in a sense why, like, you got, like you're saying, people can say, oh, the cross is beautiful? Because it's not because it looked nice. Right, it would have been horrific. Right. That there's more than that. and this is this is what my I guess my beef with it is that, that we're we're using a term in a very small way when it really should be a big thing and you know, mm -hmm. talking about the cross that um, uh, Kurt Thompson has a book the soul of desire and in that he talks about uh, beauty that um, how beauty draws our attention with wonder that ultimately draws us to worship God. And I think that that's what we see in the cross, mm -hmm. is that there's this um, attractiveness that, that happens, that um, it, it's, it's pulling us in. It, and I think that that's what the, the cross does. It's not, it's not a, it's not a, the cross is not a harmonious thing. It's not a, um, a proportional thing, but it, it, it draws our sense of wonder. And I think when you think about a beautiful work of art, if art moves you, um, some people doesn't. But that, that there's something that, that you just wonder at. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. Like uh, often people wonder just about the skill. Like, oh, isn't it amazing that person? But in really good art, there's, there's something bigger or... Uh, just it's beyond us that just kind of draws us in. Mm -hmm. um, uh, C.S. Lewis talks about joy and that he was always looking for joy. And there was this elusive thing that was he was he was seeing in 
in creation, in art, that, that drew him in. And I think that that's what we, when we're talking about the beauty of the Lord, when we talk about the beauty of the cross, it's not, a, it's not an aesthetic thing. It's this other mm-hmm. that, that we, don't, we, don't, we don't have, but we know and we love. Um, there's a guy named Junius Johnson. He wrote uh, The Father of Lights, a Theology of Beauty, something like that. Um, and he talks about the fact that every time we engage with beauty, it reminds us of God. It reminds us of this. There's this thing that we, we don't have that we want, um, not in a, a negative way, in mm-hmm. a positive way, that, oh, that was what we were looking for. It was like, ah, it was that, it's that cold water when you're after, after a run. You're like, yes, that was what I was, I've been going all this time for, was to get that. And, and there's, it's, a, it's a magnetic pull that comes to us through beauty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that way, as much as when I was reading this, I was trying my best to separate physical beauty and then just the goodness of something that attracts us and draws us in. In that way, in that sense, physical beauty and this thing, uh, this otherness about something, this completeness, this, what did you say, complex, complete. But, that draws us in, they are the same in the sense of the result of them. Like the physical beauty, they like both the reason you. something yes. that is physically beautiful, and I can I can sit down and I see a wonderful sunset, and you know, the kids want you to pull over so we can see it in the car, or right. I want to just set up my chair and to stare at it and like be drawn into it. In that way, the result of God's goodness and grace and his holiness all they they draw that draws us right, in too right and so it's like the effect of the two things is the same and that and the power yeah yeah i want yeah. to bring those things together yeah what i don't want to bring together is oh when i hear the beauty of the lord i'm thinking about something physically attractive i want them to start separate and then when i'm thinking about the result of things then i want to bring them back together oh the result is the same thing it's I am. I, it's attractive, well, but and, not and, in the physical. And not in a negative yeah. way. And I uh, again, um, uh, Kurt Thompson talks about uh, that evil seeks to devour beauty through shame. And I think that that's what we see. Like a beautiful, a beautiful woman should attract me. That's what it was built to do. Like, and there's nothing wrong with that. It should attract me, and I should say, "Thank you, Lord, for making something so beautiful." And you know, and 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 look through that to God like and that should be but then, but we can't do that because we've got all these hang-ups um, because of our sin and and social constructs and things that we say well I I can't I can't look at this beauty and not I, you could even do the sunset like I could just stop at the sunset well that's not what it's for it's supposed to draw you past itself mm-hmm. to the Creator yeah and not not just not just stop there that you don't I mean, people who run around going, I just, I just, well, I, one of my hang, or uh, soapboxes when people say, I feel closer to God when I'm in, in nature. And so I don't need to go to church because I'm close to God. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. That, like, you have, you have replaced, you have an idol there. That's, that's an idol. That's not doing the job of drawing you to God. You're stopping before you get to God. Yeah. Because God says, well, you need to be meeting with God's people. And that's where you're going to meet me. Mm-hmm. And 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 you're you're accepting a substitute. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was a tangent. Yeah, no, I think but you can pull no, us back. No, it's it's, it's this a, attractive, uh, not in a physical way, but the way that it draws beauty is meant 
So whether it's a sunset or whatever it is, it's meant not to end there. It's meant, like you said, to go right through it <laughs> to the one that created this and the one that designed this. Why is a sunset beautiful? Because God made it that it, way. It, by design. And, it yeah, is, he it designed is a, it to draw us to himself. Beauty is supposed to attract you. It, yeah. it is, it is, it is a, a magnet for your soul. Mm -hmm. And if it's doing its job, then that's what it's going to do. That helps me think of Jesus as beautiful because uh, I still don't know if I would use the. T I'm not like if I'm having conversation with someone, I'm not gonna say, "Well, Jesus is beautiful." Yeah, um, but yeah. I can. But I can. If I think of beauty that way, I can read this chapter with better ears because yeah. I can. Well, hear and it. I think also with with thinking about Jesus is beautiful. I understand what you're saying. What I what I would say is think about Jesus beauty as a verb that that there's an action mm -hmm. in Jesus. I'm not looking but again, see for for me, I have hang-ups because I think of the word beauty and I think of Brad's gorgeous sports car or you know that these mm -hmm. are these are the things that I think of as yeah. beautiful. And so I, I I can't think of Jesus that way. But the work of Jesus on the cross, the work of Jesus in my life, in my heart, is beautiful. But it's an act. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing that he does to me, rather than it's not an aesthetic thing. And I realize for most people this is not a problem. But for me, I'm always thinking about faith and art and form and aesthetics. And so I, I have a hard time putting, them, putting the word beauty next to Jesus because... I think of it as an aesthetic term. Yeah, yeah. I understand what you're saying, but this is these are my problems, and like I said, that's why we're having this session with me to help me <laughs> unpack and and, and uh, put aside all of my yeah. issues. Yeah. And I, so in a sense, it's a it's a language it's a language problem. I, we run we run into this in the Bible a lot, where um, a, a word a Hebrew word or a Greek word had this really full meaning. That meant right. all sorts of things, and, and then we're trying to figure out a way, we, like I'm doing this, but uh, in translation, we try to figure out a way to turn that into one word, because if you took every Greek word and made it a sentence in English, the Bible would be a bit longer than it is. Yeah. But and then, the publishers so, would be glad. Yes, yeah, so then the we take the one, it turned into one word, and so we've taken this idea of beauty, and it's like, oh, but we use it so differently. Well, and I mean, much, yeah, you think about baggage the word it. love, we're talking about the Greeks. Yeah. Well, they have four different mm -hmm. words for, you know, like if, can I use the word storge? Can I use the word phyllos? It would really be helpful because then mm -hmm. I'd be able to have conversations with people much more clearly. Yeah. But you, I just, I can use the word love. And mm -hmm. so now the love I have for a candy bar and for my wife and for a sunset are all the same thing. Yeah. Well, they're not. And, and that's where we get, uh, it, we're impoverished. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... So it's like what we, what we like to do, in a sense, is reframe this, uh, not just this word, but we, we want to reframe this for the church, not you and I, like it's our oh, job. Oh, that's you and I. We'll, we'll fix that. <laughs> yeah, we'll tackle it. Yeah. The church will be so thankful, though. Like, yeah, yeah. Thank the Lord. Yeah, remember when Keith and Ned talked for and like Ed 25 minutes? All. Man, yeah. that was done. Ooh, where would we have been <laughs> without? Think about the church without <laughs> Keith and Ned. It's scary. Is anyone thinking that? I don't oh. mean like the church just globally. <laughs> Is anyone thinking, what they would we do be. without Keith and Ned? Maybe Ooh. two people, just maybe our wives. Our kids are not. No, uh, but no. Maybe, and maybe our kid, our wives, maybe not either. Yeah, but let's hope. Let's hope. One day a week. Um, what 
so this is what I'm thinking though. What would it look like? And and Ortland does this. Um, Ortland does this when he talks about kids. So I'm trying to think of like really practical. So take this sort of conversation about beauty and giving it a uh, a different like reframing it in a sense. And I think if we're talking about beauty as what does it look like for beauty as us being attracted to Jesus? What is, mm-hmm. what is, what is it about God that he does or in his character that, that draws us into him and makes us long to keep coming back over and over again? As beauty does, yeah. Yeah, as beauty does. Um, Orland talks in the end just about children because he starts in the chapter about children and then he ends in the chapter about children. So let me read just a tiny little bit and then ask you a question. So he says, we can't close this chapter without thinking about the children in our lives. Jonathan Edwards, Edwards told the kids he knew, quote, there is no love so great and so wonderful as that which is in the heart of Christ. That's true. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's affirm that. We'll go with that. Uh, how might we, Ortland asks, in our own way and time do the same? And he says, with our own kids, if we are parents, what's our job? That question could be answered with a hundred valid responses. But at the center, our job is to show our kids that even our best love is a shadow of a greater love. To put a sharp edge on it, to make the tender heart of Christ irresistible and unforgettable. Our goal is that our kids would leave the house at 18 or 20 or 27 (laughs) or 34 and be unable to live the rest of their lives believing that their sins and sufferings repel Christ. But our goal with the kids is that they leave the house and are unable to live the rest of their lives believing that their sins and sufferings repel Christ. So if we think about that, that one of our roles as adults is to help kids see uh, that in the midst of their sin and suffering, uh, Jesus is not pushing them away, mm-hmm. but saying, no, I'm continually drawing you to me. Um, what do you think it looks like? How are we practically trying to do that at Wheatland? Or how can adults be doing that with children? Well, I think, again, the way he phrases things, I get hung up with. Because I think that um, what we can do is try to, to show the, the, the beauty of Jesus. I'm going to go ahead and just say that. The beauty mm-hmm. of Jesus. I'm gonna, we now tr- that we've reframed it. Now that we, we have reframed it. Uh, to offer that to the children, but remind, you know, as, as a parent who has, has had long nights of just angst and praying for my children, realize that it's the Holy Spirit that's going to do this. Mm-hmm. Now, you can get in the way, but let, let's say, let's, let's, let's be honest, yeah. that it's the Holy Spirit that's going to do this. The, the Holy Spirit's going to work in the heart of your child. But we don't want to get in the way of that, and we also want to encourage that, and that's what mm-hmm. we do as parents. I think um, thinking in the context of this discussion about beauty and uh, when I think about kids and, and as, as we're raising kids here, I mean, that's always been, a, a, at least the last 20, 25 years, something that's been on my heart and mind, uh, even from day one when Leslie and I are working in the, the toddler room. I, I, we're, I, I was making special crafts for the kids so that they could have the two-year-olds could understand how much Jesus loves them, mm-hmm. you know, and that was just thrown out. But that there's an aspect of um, beauty, and when we talk about kids, as, as you're, you're saying, is I think uh, attentiveness, that I think when we think about our children uh, and how we're interacting with them uh, as, uh, as folks who have 
taking those baptismal vows that we're going to raise these ch children up, our own children and the children around us, to to love the Lord, to know His His great beauty, His great love for us, His great sacrifice, um, His relentless generosity and mercy. These are things that we need to communicate. I think if we think about how we approach art, that when I go to a museum, Elspeth took Leslie and I to the Philly Art Museum last week, and we had a great time. And the what the reason that we enjoyed the artwork that we enjoyed was attentiveness, that we attended to the art, that when we walked up to um, Henry Tanner's uh, picture of Mary and, and Angel Gabriel coming, we just stood there and focused on it. Mm -hmm. We were, we didn't look at other artwork. We were just there. We were standing as probably un, un, unsafe close to this, this thing. Uh, there were no guards there, so they, they let us. But we're, we're there. We're attending. We were focused. Mm -hmm. uh, when I think about the children and, and as we're, are we focused on the children? Are we knowing them? Are we hearing them? Um, a lot of times kids just run by. And, and I think that as I would encourage my brothers and sisters here to, to, to stop and get down on the, their knees and talk to kids. Uh, the kids won't care. You know, they're going to keep running. You're just a nuisance to them. But over time, there's an accumulation of, I am known here. Uh, I think about, I, I grew up in a small church plant and um, in the high school years. And I remember 13, 14 years old, there was a guy in his mid-30s, I think, married. Um, he was having conversations with everybody else, like a normal grown-up does. But he would stop and talk to me every week mm -hmm. and make sure that I knew that he knew me. And then I look at my own daughters and, you know, they, they were here, Wheatland, since day one. They've gone through all the, the Sunday school classes and the youth group and all that kind of stuff. We call it Roots here. And uh, was that all good? Yes, absolutely. But when they come back and when they talk about being here, they'll say things like, Mrs. Pogue came up and talked to me today. They, my girls live out, out of town. And, or, uh, you know, like, uh, oh, Mrs. Slaw, she, they, she made a point to come and give me a hug and, and ask me how my job's going. Yeah. That's knowing yeah. that child. Yeah. Like, and, and unfortunately, there's no shortcuts with this. Like, you can't <laughs> say, well, yeah, I, I, you know, it's it, you can't talking to the Sundays art museum. Like, <laughs> I've got the catalog for the Philly Art Museum. I don't need to actually stand in front of the artwork. I can just flip through and tell you, well, page 56 is Tanner's Annunciation. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work when it comes to discipleship and caring for our children. It's time spent. You have to stand in front of the painting. You have to look at it. You have to study it. You have to figure out why did the artist put this here instead of down there? How's the composition work? How, do the, how are the colors harmoniously or not harmoniously arranged? And we have to do that with children. Mm -hmm. It's just harder because, number one, they're moving. And, and also all the rules change for each child. I mean, you know, not macro, but yeah, the, you know, yeah. each one is a, a different, differently made, uh, you know, like we're in the care group with the Fry kids. Well, you know, I, I used to joke with Gerald and Lee and I'm like, you just need to keep making kids because you've got that one model, you know, they, they all were the, the cute, they all came out the same. Now you look at them now and they're completely different from each other. And you have to realize I have to treat Jonas different than Matthias. And you know, load of different. You know, they, yeah. they, I can't apply the same rules. 
What I ha can apply is my attentiveness. Am I going to focus on them? Am I going to see the image of God in them? And I'm, am I going to see my, my job as not just the fact that, well, I wasn't mean to them today, mm -hmm. you know, but that I, I stopped and I made time to, to listen and ask questions, um, know things that they're, you know, know things that matter to them. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the rub is I can't do that for every child in the church. We've got too many kids here, mm -hmm. praise the Lord. But I can pick the kids in my care group or, you know, the, there's ones that God has brought me into a community with mm -hmm. and I can focus on them and I can say, that's my, this is part of my uh, living out my baptismal vows. I'm going to know this child. I'm going to be attentive to this child. Yeah. yeah, and it's amazing how, like, the goal of that, it's not just, I mean, I mean, the goal is, well, you're just being faithful. But what you want, you want them to see through you, like we've talked about. Oh, and absolutely. see that this is a reflection of God's attentiveness to them. And yeah, we are a and, conduit of grace yeah, in this way. Right. And they you may might not, not see it. it yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you, you had said it before we uh, pressed record that like you, you might not see, you know, you might talk to a kid, maybe a kid's uh, a real introvert and they might never even say anything to you three or four oh, weeks yeah. in a row or something like that. Or they might just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm -hmm. And then they try to escape as fast as they can. But over time, like you are wearing that kid down to know Absolutely. that I, like, I care about you. <laughs> And, and you may never get some, like the response that you're hoping for. You may never have this wonderful conversation. But that, that child saw, oh, like this adult took time out. Every single Sunday they saw me, they came and said hello and asked how I was doing. And over time, they, they start to see, oh, like this, oh, this is what the body of Christ is like? Exactly. Uh, oh, actually, that, that means that's what Jesus is like. That's what Jesus does for us. I mean, I love, I love theology. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm PCA because I'm reformed, but that's not what's keeping my kid in, in the kingdom. My kid's in the kingdom because my kid's been loved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think you could say, since we're giving ourselves permission now here at the end, to say that that is beautiful. <laughs> because, well, because now we know what beauty is. Right, exactly. And that, that, is, that is when the body of Christ is living and reflecting the beauty of the Lord. And that's why the psalmist can say, like, oh, I long to be in the midst of that in a way, even more so than here on earth. I longed for the day that I can spend eternity living in the midst of that beauty without any sort of taintedness of sin. That's, that's what we all want. Amen. We all want that. Well, thanks, Ned. I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming in here and uh, talking about a book that you don't like. And we'll do it again sometime. <laughs> no, I, I, I was very honored. I, I, you know, I was kind of jealous of my wife that she got to do the uh, podcast and I didn't. But well, well everyone yeah. likes her better. Yeah, yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> it just keeps the jealousy going. Yeah, yeah. But I really appreciate it. I, yeah, this is this is. Uh, I was happy that you said yes because I needed someone to help me process this beauty in a way that's beyond my imagination for beauty. So I appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Heart of Christ, a podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit wheatlandpca.org.